Wait a second, what? Doesn't it bother you that not everyone seems to get what Jesus is talking about? It sure bothers me. Like, doesn't God actually want everyone to hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that we can be included with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit in the wholeness of the beautiful dance of the Trinity? If so, why does he talk in parables that not everybody can understand? Like, if Jesus came to see, save and seek the lost, why does he seem okay with some lost never being found? Hey, if you've watched our content before, you'll notice things are a little different today. Hi, I'm Aaron. This message was originally designed for an in-person audience and meant to be interactive. I would encourage you today to pretend you're with me in my middle school classroom and to follow along with the practices and exercises going forward, or you can just listen to, that's fine. You know what they say, you can take the teacher out of the classroom, but you can't take the classroom out of the teacher. Anyway, here's what you're invited to participate in today and what you can expect. You're going to do a warm up with a paper and pen and some soil or pencil. You're going to practice a centuries old Bible reading technique together with us, with me, called Franciscan reading. And later you'll get an opportunity to share your experience with your connect group or other people as you run across those. So to get on the same page with our brains ready, you're going to want two things. Actually, it's three things. If you can, it's a piece of paper with a pen or pencil and some soil. Like if you have a house plant around, you can grab that. You can go run outside and grab a bit of garden soil and put it in a small dish. Um, you can pause me, I'll wait. All right, cool. Next, you're gonna write the name of your favorite food on your paper or think of your favorite food, like uh, chicken soup, let's say, write it down. Okay, and then you're gonna write down the ingredients to this food as best you can, like for chicken soup, it would be chicken stock and chicken and noodles and vegetables and stuff like that. Okay, next, all right. On your paper, you're gonna star the ingredients that are from the ground. Like noodles are from flour or like wheat or rice. So you put a star next to those from some kind of grain. Uh, chicken is an animal. Wait, but chicken eat like seeds from the ground and stuff. So you'd have to actually have to star a chicken too. So this could be kind of tricky. Take a second and star everything that comes from the ground. Good, excellent. What if, though, the soil was bad and these ingredients, everything you starred, couldn't actually grow? Like, you'd lose those ingredients. So cross out every single thing on your paper or in your mind, eliminate everything that comes from the ground. Would it make it so that your favorite food wouldn't be so good anymore? It wouldn't be the same? For most foods, it certainly would change them and they wouldn't be good anymore. Okay, so now look at your soil. This is good. What you're going to do is spend... 30 seconds, you're gonna look at it. You can smell it if you have them. Hmm, that smells good. You can feel it, like what does it feel like? Just kind of spend a, a second, a few seconds observing your soil. This is kind of grainy, it falls apart a little bit. Good. Okay, all set. If you just glance at soil like this, it doesn't really seem alive, does it? But as one of my favorite authors, Wendell Berry, puts it, the earth is not dead like the concept of property, but is as vividly and intricately alive as a man or woman. And there's a delicate interdependence between its life and our own. So the soil's actually alive. Like, okay, here's I'm a science teacher. Here's a couple of science facts. In a teaspoon of soil, this is a teaspoon of soil, there are one billion individual cells. Isn't that amazing? 
And there's 10 different thousand species in there. So the diversity in just one teaspoon of soil is mind blowing. And it can take up to a thousand years for a single inch of topsoil to form. <sighs> That's incredible how much time it takes, isn't it? Uh, this soil is actually very special. It may not look like much to you, but it's from our garden at home. And I'm gonna tell you just a short story of how it's formed and what's in it. Uh, first, we moved into a house, we put in some raised beds, and we needed to fill those raised beds with soil. So uh, we were like, hey, I know we can fill it with compost. So we went and picked up truckload and truckload, yards and yards and yards of plant compost, and we planted plants in it. How did they do? Uh, they did okay, but mostly what happened with the compost is that it just compressed. Think about in the backyard in the fall, how leaves fall down and then the rain falls on top of that, and it becomes compressed kind of mucky leaves. That's exactly what happened to our soil. It just compressed and became mucky, like wet leaves on the ground. Um, and it was kind of, I mean, almost a foot and a half, half deep. Uh, so it probably needed more nitrogen because it had too much carbon in it and it needed more air space and water space. So we actually added vermiculite, perlite, and chicken manure after that. And over a couple of years, you should see our garden now. It's amazing. We have tomatoes up the yin yang. So where am I going with all this soil talk? You're probably wondering, and that's totally a fair question. Uh, I'm here today to ask us, how's our soil? Like my shirt, how's our soil? Does it need some work? Is it doing pretty well? Does it need just some nutrients or does it need lots of work? How's our soil today? So another teacher named Jesus used soil in a lesson 2000 years ago. And if he were here teaching you today, he might take a similar approach to mine. He might've showed you a little bag of soil. Uh, he might've worn a soil t-shirt, I don't know. Uh, but he might've taken a different approach. But what we just did was give you kind of a background on soil. Get it, background. By putting you in the shoes of Jesus' audience in the first century. You gotta remember these people are from the region of Galilee, so they're farmers, and they were soil experts. Their whole lives depended on the soil. It was not just something interesting for them, but actually their lives depended on it. So they interacted, it, interacted with it all the time. Um, okay, so we're gonna jump in. I'm gonna ask you to do something with me right now. It's called choral reading. And it's just what you do is you just read out loud with me. So wherever you are right now, uh, it might feel a little weird at first, but if you're in a place, a time when you can kind of read out loud to yourself, that'd be cool. Because we get more from reading when we're hearing it and we're seeing it and we're saying it out loud. All right, here we go. Once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Cool. So here in Mark, Jesus is going to teach a parable to help us listeners, like people then and people now, understand about what the kingdom of God is really like. So a couple things to note here. Jesus has a what and a how. So he's going to teach us what the kingdom of God is like, and he's going to use a parable, and that's the how. So what's a parable and how does it work? We're going to get to that too. Uh, first of all, what is the kingdom of God like? We do talk about this a lot at Cross Creek. Uh, the first century Jews were actually expecting like an immediate change and revolution with Jesus. They were probably many of them looking to overthrow the Romans who had invaded, finally make things right and live like they wanted to live. Um, like another deep thinker, Pedro Sanchez said, if you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. That's kind of what they were expecting in a way. So there had lots of different hopes and expectations based on the Old Testament. You don't quite get the kingdom of God. Uh, I wonder how much I get about it too. So these first century Jews, Jews didn't like understand everything Jesus was talking about either. And I think that puts us in good company. 
it's kind of tough to understand that the kingdom of God is something that's already here and not here yet, for example. And as we've been studying the book of Mark, we're learning that the kingdom of God doesn't look like how the first century Jews thought it would or how we expect today. All right. So secondly, the how. Jesus is going to teach in parables. So what's a parable and how does it work? Uh, I'm going to lean on Dallas Willard here. And he says that Jesus tells at least 40 parables in the New Testament writings, if you add add them all up. And um, oh, yeah. Remember show and tell from second grade? Like um, this is my shark lookout. And I got lookout the shark near Cape Lookout because we were camping over there. And we, you know, something like that. So what Jesus did, instead of bringing in a favorite stuffed animal and telling a story about it, was showing and telling using the context and concrete examples from the people and places and things around where they were. Things that people could see, hear, and smell. Uh, the word parable is actually from the Greek paraboline, which means to throw one thing down alongside another. So to me, in my mind, it's like a set of parallel lines heading in the same direction, never touching, not exactly the same line. So it's supposed to help us understand something difficult, in this case, the kingdom of God, by placing it beside something familiar or specific. All right, here's a geek out learning brain connection for you. Jesus was and is working with us and in sync with our minds. Like in educational literature, one of the most effective teaching techniques for the human brain brain is comparison, putting something next to another thing and comparing it. So, all right, here's the parable of the sower, seed, and soils. And again, it might feel weird. If you can, read out loud with me, verses three through nine. This is Jesus talking. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Wow. That's awesome. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear hear should listen and understand. You got to have ears to hear. That is incredible. What, what does it mean? So I'd like you to just take a second right now and focus to what on what comes to mind for you and jot down answers to just three thoughts. There are three prompts. What do you think the farmer and the sower represents? If you don't have paper, you can just think about that. The farmer, the sower, what do they represent? The seed, what do you think the seed represents? And thirdly, what do you think the four different types of soil represent? Just jot down in your mind what you think those things are. Okay. Awesome. This puts us very much in the sandals or shoes of the original audience, wondering what this all meant as Jesus was telling us. So Jesus goes on to explain what the deal is with the parable in verses 10 through 12. Again, read out loud with me if you can. Verse 10. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He, re- he replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and will be forgiven. Wait a second. What? Doesn't it bother you that not everyone seems to get what Jesus is talking about? It sure bothers me. Like, doesn't God actually want everyone to hear the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that we can be included with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit? 
in the wholeness of the beautiful dance of the Trinity? If so, why does he talk in parables that not everybody can understand? Like if Jesus came to save and seek the lost, why does he seem okay with some lost never being found? Those are good questions, right? You got to think about who's in the crowd, though. So there are some people who really want to know and follow Jesus, and maybe that's you. There are some people who think he's ushering in a political coup to take back their country from Rome, and they're ready to grab their battle gear and slash and kill their way to Jerusalem and beyond. There are some people who are just trying to trap Jesus so they can put him on trial and get rid of him. So they're listening carefully to everything that he's saying. And there are some people who are just trying to get healed or to see what this deal was with this Jesus guy that they've been hearing about. So you get the picture. There are lots of different types of people. So as much as I would want, or you might want everyone to get what Jesus is really saying here, the best way I can make sense of the fact that Jesus is teaching in a parable and he expects some won't understand is that sometimes people aren't ready to fully understand the kingdom of God yet. Like you can think of it as they're just not there. Maybe I'm just not there or you're just not there today. Remember the kingdom of God doesn't look like they expected in the first century or we expect today. When we're curious, we can think on Jesus' teachings more and learn more about it. When we're ready to do that, we can dig and it'll be a challenge, but we'll find out more and more growth is available for us. If we're not, then this is just a curious teaching by a divisive rabbi for now, and that's just how it is. I mean, I really don't think we could handle the full understanding of the kingdom of God. Our brains might actually explode, right? So instead, God gives us bits at a time, like little bites of a feast to savor one at a time and enjoy, not trying to choke us with the whole feast by trying to eat it in one bite. So the bottom line, Jesus uses parables to challenge his listeners then and now. It's up to us to choose a reaction or to choose not to react at all. So what do this and other parables mean? Well, Jesus actually gets into that next. So once again, Coral, read, read aloud with me if you're able to do that. Verse 13 through 20. Then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? So it's really important that they understand this one. And we do. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. So a couple things to notice here. This parable is actually foundational to understanding all of the other parables. Who says so? Jesus just said that. He just said so. So the sower or farmer is the person who takes God's word or truth to others. Jesus, then, is the seed, that word or truth, that's reproducible. So it's God's word or truth that gets passed along through place and time from then until now, from before then until now. The harvest depends on the soil that the seed grows in. So that's the variable here is actually the soil. Um, if it's surrounded by weeds, too, that's, we'd include that in the condition of the soil. Most importantly, the seed is what? The message and God's word. Well, what does that mean? I, okay, if you kind of zoned out for a second, I want you to hear me on this. Make sure you're really listening. A key aspect of the gospel, the good news, is not dead words printed in a book. 
but is instead a living relationship between us and a living God. Okay, you feeling like you want to do something with what you just heard? Like work through it a little bit more? I'm hoping so. Are you ready to try something with me? It's called Franciscan reading. So it's a form of interaction with God using uh, basically the life of St. Francis of Assisi. He lived in the 12th century, um, and it's got some elements to it, like entering personally into the text, not just reading words on a page for information, but actually participating in some way or some ways, and seeing what God's word is like, what this can do in our everyday existence. It's based on primary Franciscan spiritual qualities like action, spontaneity, love, praise, beauty, and delight in creation. So it's a fluid interaction and encounter with God, and it's an emotional expression with what you've just read. Um, and it's supposed to be an experience that's saturated or bathed in prayer too, so prayer goes all the way throughout a conversation with God. Um, so if an example might be if a message is about soil, seed in a sower, you'd hold, hold some soil in your hand and ponder it, look at it, pray about it. Uh, you might listen to or sing a hymn about the topic, like We've linked one of the show notes. It's an old hymn called, Lord, Let My Heart Be Good Soil. You can just listen to the words of the song and or sing along. Um, you could write a poem about soil or seeds growing. One of my favorites is the haiku. It's pretty fun. Uh, you could sketch different pictures of seeds growing in four different types of soil, or you could draw what a seed might look like if it's actually producing lots of seeds beyond it, a harvest. Uh, but right now, I'd like you to take a couple of minutes, and I want you to pause the video and just try one of these out. So look at the soil, sing or listen along with the song, which is in the show notes, uh, write a quick poem, or make a sketch of a seed growing while interacting with God through your expression. I'll wait. So I've thought a lot about this over the past few weeks, and I've got some really good news for you. So listen up. Our soil determines our experience in the kingdom of God. It determines how we discover, enjoy, and share it. Soil has both individual and community aspects to it. It can be found in a single individual location like individual people can be. It can also be connected to and is connected to, part of and blended with, related to other nearby locations in a community of soil, just like people are related to one another in community. So one square foot of, of fertile soil is good for a plant or for you. Maybe you can grow a couple things there. But think about a couple of square miles. That would be enough to feed a city and more. So we can work with God and others to enrich our soil. I encourage you this week to continue to practice Franciscan reading and interact with your sample of soil. If you have it and you can put it in a little baggie like this one, take it with you, put it in your pocket, put it where you have morning time or where you'll see it. Uh, I don't know, tape it to your dashboard of your car, whatever. Also sing along with the hymn if you come back to it or think about listening to it. Continue to write, maybe work on a poem or a short story, whatever it is, and sketch what you, uh, what you think of when you actually look at your soil or think about soil and how important it is. Lastly, you want to share and interact with God through the reading, the meditation, and prayer. And think about, God, how's my soil this week? What do you want me to do with my soil? Just ask God this week during your prayer time that. Uh, and also share your product with others, maybe in your connect group or share your experience so far in Franciscan reading with somebody else like a friend, because our soil determines our experience in the kingdom of God.
Thanks for watching this week's content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, thanks for joining us on this journey through Mark, the story of Jesus. Uh, there'll be lots of content for you available online, YouTube, and podcast. But also don't forget, we meet in person on Sundays at 4.30 in South Salem at 525 Idlewood Drive. So find out more on our website, yourcrosscreek.com. We also have uh, stuff for kids this summer, some great lessons put out by the Bible Project. So we're really excited about some of the things that are happening over at Cross Creek. And we're just really glad to see you here online. Uh, send us your information via the welcome form. Say hello, uh, request a Bible, request prayer, or join a small group. Uh, it's all online there for you. And we'll see you next week.